Hi, this is Tamson Granger. And this is Dan Abuhoff. With Tamson and Dan read the paper on Monday, November 7th, 2022. Running a little bit late. That's okay. Because I've been a little bit busy. I've been traveling. Yes, you have. I went down to Raleigh-Durham to see friends and family and hockey. Okay, how'd that go? Uh, It was great. It was super great. First of all, turns out... That as the crow flies, it's not very far away, Raleigh, North Carolina. As the airplane flies. You mean. Yeah, as the airplane flies. Right. It's an hour and a half. Right. Mm-hmm. With their, if everything else works out. Which it never does. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, it pretty much did. And um, so uh, I went down there because Sadie wanted to go to a Hurricanes hockey game. The Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Hockey game with the cousins, mm-hmm. the the Granger cousins, Elena, Mallory, etc. Okay. And uh, all these other people turned up. Mm-hmm. Elena, Mallory's dad, well, your, Bryce, your brother, yes, <laughs> and he brought along his wife Lorna, uh-huh. who happens to have a daughter. Uh, and grandchildren in the area. Uh-huh. Uh, so, and there are husbands and there are, you know, fathers involved. And uh, so things just grew. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was met there at first by my friend Cindy, who took me around to the Sarah Duke Gardens at Duke, mm-hmm. founded in the 1930s. And that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was an old timey garden with things like a rose garden and stuff, you know. Founded in the 1930s, uh, designed by Ellen Biddle Shipman, you know, one of the top uh, women uh, landscape designers of the time. I shouldn't say that. She's one of the top landscape uh, designers of the time. And um, it started out kind of uh, innovative at the time, uh, but that involved Italianate terraces and rose gardens. And now it's morphed into you know, a kind of a different thing with a lot of uh, cacti and, you know, desert plants and crazy, you know, um, plant, fascinating, interesting, different plants and really mm-hmm. a different kind of a landscape than you think. So that was uh, really wonderful. Nice to walk around. Surprising amount of students there, you know, and mothers and children and uh, the elderly like myself toddling about. Yeah. Uh, so that was great. Went out to a very good restaurant with Cindy called Succotash. Mm-hmm. So we all grew up eating Succotash. Did you eat Succotash growing no. up? Well, we, you know, you would buy it. My mother would buy something frozen called Succotash. Yeah. And it was lima beans and corn and something else. And it was the worst thing I ever had. Probably, yeah. I think they had it at school lunches. We, we would not eat it there either. And, uh, but it turns out it can be very, very good. Hard to In fact, it. somebody has named a whole restaurant after it. Yeah. And we had smoked brisket and uh, some very crispy, tasty roasted potatoes. So we, we had a great meal at Succotash in uh, Durham, mm-hmm. and uh, Cindy, you know, escorted me around Durham a little bit, showing me the uh, new places. They've had a lot of um, repurposing of various industrial 
etc. buildings in mm-hmm. parts of town yeah. into new funky fun mm-hmm. areas with markets and eating and mm-hmm. you know uh, gallivanting etc. Uh, so that was that and the next day Cindy actually uh, took me on again my friend Cindy Wilson and um, took me to the North Carolina Art Museum mm-hmm. which was Really terrific, really terrific, in no small part because it has, it sits in the middle of like a 160-acre park mm-hmm. with wonderful, you know, enormous outdoor sculptures, uh, you know, something like five miles of trails. And again, wonderful plantings, wonderful vistas, uh, you know, many people there out for a walk, out walking their dogs, etc. Uh, very kind of dynamic scene and uh the museum itself you know simple building um not not any of your you know fancy smashing uh you know museum kind of museumish looking place mm-hmm. uh but wonderful spaces for exhibition and it had some very good exhibitions in it so i, I it was a treat it was a treat. Um, so I think um, the one thing I missed going there was a, a little exhibition that was juxtaposing a painting by our buddy, Artemisia Gentileschi, Judith, you know, slicing the head off of Holofernes, all, you know, wonderful favorite, and uh, with a... Um, painting by Kahinde Wiley mm-hmm. um, of the same subject matter. Mm-hmm. So hundreds of years apart, what, like four, four or five hundred years apart? Um, interesting. All right. So in any event, what interested me was the the hotel and who stayed at the hotel, honestly. I mean, uh, not that I'm not fascinated by the art museum, but... Uh, okay. Um, we picked a hotel. It was not easy to get a hotel. There was a lot going on right. in the Raleigh-Durham area, yeah. football games and whatnot. And uh, we get to the hotel, and lo and behold, the opposing hockey team, the Buffalo Sabres, and their moms were <laughs> staying there. Apparently, the NHL does something where they um, take the moms around okay. to several games. Yeah. And uh, see that's um, that's genius. I can see some kid deciding whether to go pro and go to the NHL, and the parents were saying, "I don't know." And the kid says, "But you know, if I sign up the NHL, they have moms' games. I'll be taking you, mom, to the game." And that's what puts I don't really moment. envision that as a realistic. Uh, I, why else would they do it? scenario? So you why got, else would someone sign up to play the hockey? Chat up players and their moms, but I understand you didn't do that for whatever reason. No, we didn't. And you know, it was great. It was a big hotel with all the big hotel stuff going on. There were you know clearly wedding parties staying there. The hockey players. Very, there were little cute soccer playing girls who must have had a tournament in the area. I mean, we we came home one night and. Uh, uh, a little girl, you know, holding her blanket, her pillow, you know, pretty much dressed in pajamas, was, uh, w- you know, checking in with her dad, going up to their room. Um, and uh, What do you mean, like six years old or something like that? No, she was older than that. Yeah. But um, somehow, sometimes young girls, even if they're like, 
11, mm-hmm. or become very, uh, uh, they got to have all their stuff when they travel, all okay. their comfort stuff. Look, the point is, you stay at a very fancy hotel. It wasn't you, that fancy. These guys, hockey players, make a lot of money, and their moms, you know, I assume they're uh, only going to stay at the best places. So, so anyway, we went to the hockey game, yeah. and uh, it was a lot of fun. And and the moms were shown on the jumbo truck. Yes, we saw the moms, and, and uh, again, we didn't get to talk to them, but... Um, the Hurricanes won, yeah. so that was positive. Mm-hmm. The seats were very good. Cousin Elena and uh, her husband, Brendan, worked all that out. Yeah. And the seats were very good. And uh, let's see. what it, Well, I, I didn't really know the players before we got there, but when I was walking in, I noticed a lot of people uh, wearing this Sebastian Ajo jersey. And I said to Sadie, who's that? And she told me a little bit about him. And what do you know? Patrick. 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 He's Not, a good player. Yeah. Sadie he, told me about him too. He scored the first goal and then he scored two more later. Right. And he got an assist. He had a four point game. You know, it's not the weekend anymore. You can't be just sitting back <laughs> having a beer. Having a beer. Big brew. This is my, this, what do you mean having a beer? This is not, <laughs> if I'm going to get through this podcast, it's going to be like two or three. Oh, beers. really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so, and, and then um, I also got to see a childhood friend. From Maryland, right. who had moved down to the area, Martha Ann. Right. And the great thing about Martha Ann was, I later found out that she is the other still living person mm-hmm. in the United States who remembers Ed's North Carolina barbecue from Kensington, Maryland. That's right. Because you talked about her mom that last bought week. it too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, not even the barbecue. They bought the Brunswick stew. Oh, the Brunswick stew, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, anybody would buy barbecue. Nobody buys Brunswick stew. No, no, no. I'm stew. sorry. I misspoke. I'm too excited. I was so excited the about Brunswick the Brunswick stew. You know. yeah, that's who remarkable. knows about Brunswick stew? But who would have, Not that many people. Who would have a store that sells Brunswick stew, let alone have a customer, let alone you know the customer? Well, in Kensington, Maryland. Yeah, it's crazy. Talk about a business. So it's nice to see Martha. Might as well be selling succotash. And reminisce. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think um, my next dinner party is going to be Brunswick Stew. And succotash. Hush puppies. Yeah. And succotash. Well, that's cheating because everybody likes hush puppies. They're fried. Basically, Brunswick Stew is squirrel and succotash with some tomatoes. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to be at that party. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be somewhere else eating out. But you have that party. Don't let me yeah. uh, make it a lunch deal or something like that. I'll be out. So we also went to uh, I, Tia's house. There's a, are you still talking about this trip? Yeah. Are we going to be living this well, trip for the rest the, of our the, lives? The big attraction there was zip lining. Uh, yeah. zip lining they they had the set up a zip lining for the um, five to seven year old children. And of course, all the adults were doing it. Wait a second. They had a zip line or just a clothesline? Let's no, clear. it was a zip line. They had a zip line in their like backyard. Like you hook up and jump off. You had to jump off this? from the. Who does this? I mean, they, they, well, that's what people do, Daniel. They, no, they must be very Daniel, well insured. That's you know an insurance what? issue. You don't have neighbors zip lining in your. I backyard. give you twenty minutes before you're having someone come over here and set up a zip line for Hazi and Pepper. Hazi is, is is a zip lining genius. You can tell even before he, just the way he carries himself. But if you worry about the other kids getting hurt and you getting sued, I mean, that's, uh, you know, you don't do that kind of thing. I think if you do it right, it's not, it's certainly not as dangerous as a um, trampoline. And I you hear about people either. breaking limbs all yeah, the time right. on trampoline. Yeah. I mean, so I suppose if your stop on the um, zip line doesn't work, you could smash into a tree. How high is this? Like an line? unlucky witch. How high is the zip line? If you fall off the zip line, how high is it? Not too, not too high. Okay. 
All right, I was going to say I should check it out, but I'm not going to. But, you know, that's, if you're an adult, is this like, a thing? I mean, is it, did we miss out on this? It's like this generational thing. People now have zip lines and uh, we just didn't. The world moves on, yeah. No, Other, it, or is no. this unique? When we were growing up, no one had a zip line. Does okay? anyone else have a zip line? They had you? monkey bars, okay? Right. You had not, monkey bars. Not in your backyard. So Some was, people did. No, nobody had. You had some, some people had some kind of bar thing that was attached right. to your swing set. That's right. Sure they did. Those people were insurance executives. I mean, <laughs> it's not, you don't have, but what I'm asking you, and you can't know the answer, is do other people besides your crazy relatives have a zip line in their backyard? Well, certainly. How do you know Danny, that? wake up, wake have, up and smell Have you it. ever seen anyone else with a zip line in their backyard? No, but I've seen what? ads for it. I don't. What? I don't have. Yes. What, what, what magazine do you? Yeah, no, come on. Just because you haven't heard of it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, my that, God. Just be, I, you are the most closed-minded are you person serious? I ever saw in my you life. You have seen ads for the, for zip lines in the backyard. Yes. In what publication? No publication. The intranet. Oh well, that's, you spend your time surfing the internet. You, you're going to see everything. God knows yes. what's on the internet. The in internet. Bon appetit. <laughs> Usually, when I'm flipping through. I mean that's. Doesn't make any sense. Oh my god! All right, look. Uh, but before we even did this, before there's I more? Before, there's more. Before I even what? traveled, well, while we were there, we also celebrated Mallory Granger's birthday. We don't. So need we had some cake. We that don't was need fun every meal too. Things. We don't need everything. And, uh, um, but before I went down to Raleigh, uh, yeah, and Durham. All right. What? You made me go into New York to see a play. Oh, there we go. There's. The I gotta say. That's I, like I think <laughs> that's the worst idea. The night before you're traveling to drive, you all right, know, look, 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 look. nine we went, hours into New let York. Let me put this in the right context. So uh, we went. I know. To, it was a theater emergency. That's right. We went to see Parade. So Parade uh, was being presented by City Center. We have are longtime subscribers to the Encore series, where they do sort of, I shouldn't say sort of anymore, short term revivals of. Plays that are not likely to get full-fledged productions. Uh, this apparently is uh, was a fundraiser for them. They're a gala, effectively. Not part of the three-play series that is the subject of subscriptions. This was, you know, prior to that. That starts in the spring. This is. We didn't go to the gala. Though. The gala was no, the night the before we were there. We didn't go to the okay. gala. But as a, it, my real point is this. It, it's a bellwether production for them. This is, this is their big-time production of the year. And uh, they invested a lot in it, and they picked the subject and a play that they thought would generate a lot of interest, and it has. Uh, Parade is a play that was written, you and presented, you told me some 25 years ago, if not more. Uh, the music by Jason Robert Brown, who's done uh, quite a few things uh, since then. Um, What's he best known for? Uh, the last five years, The Bridges of Madison County, Honeymoon in Vegas, Mr. Saturday Night. 13. It's 13. You're right. 13. Uh, the book is by Alfred Urey, who's a Southern writer. Uh, and his most famous play is probably Driving Miss Daisy. Um, and I think Urey wrote the lyrics also. And it's the uh, story of Leo Frank, who was a... Um, Supervisor at a factory in uh, the Atlanta, Georgia area, uh, a factory in which a young child was killed, uh, almost certainly murdered, uh, and they pinned the crime on him, uh, and he was convicted. Um, 
in large part in many people's view because he was a Jew in this southern area where it was highly prejudiced against Jews. This was 1915. Uh, ultimately... So uh, this was a... It was based on a true story. True story. This is a true, the Leo Frank story is a true story. Okay. Uh, the conviction uh, generated a lot of interest. People thought, uh, many people thought that uh, he was unfairly convicted, that there was not enough evidence for this, that he was in effect railroaded. Uh, there was sort of a cause celeb about it. There were many appeals. Uh, it went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which uh, declined to reverse the conviction and you don't reverse a conviction if there's a jury verdict, um, unless there's really clear reason they didn't have that, they felt. Uh, nevertheless, there was an outcry among certain celebrities, uh, including Henry Ford and others. Uh, and the, uh, the governor uh, looked at the evidence and decided in an unpopular decision to commute his sentence. His sentence was to be hanged. He commuted it to life imprisonment. He didn't find him not guilty. He committed to life imprisonment with the thought he said at the time, or he said years later, that over time perhaps he could prove his innocence. Uh, but the uh, local populace was so enraged by this and so outraged by the whole series of events that uh, some uh, subset uh, marched on the jail and had him lynched. He hung, uh, which is, of course, a horrible thing. That's that's the story of Leo Frank, and uh, the story of Leo Frank is front and center with respect to parade. So um, it's kind of a, a hot button subject matter, maybe even odd subject matter for a musical. Uh, maybe odd. It's yeah. like super odd. Super odd. I, they, they write operas about things like this, do they not? I mean, uh, yeah, but it's yeah, a bit of a but, downer. But it's a, it's dark. Yeah, it's dark. Um, not that not that the music is dark. Well, look. First of all, let's you know, start. Let's start at the beginning. It, I, I I liked it. Yeah. But I didn't love it. But but what did you think? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it too, and I'm shocked that I would like it. Mm-hmm. Why uh, are you shocked that you would like it? Because it is. It, it's a it's a tough thing to watch. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, in any aspect, whether you the kangaroo court, right, uh, the suffering of uh, the people, whether it was the victim or you know this, uh, you know, it just it when you, um, you know, I mean, I mean, it's bad enough when you're watching like a TV murder show, right, and they kind of slide through and make everything work. I mean, this kind of uh, it's such such a caricature. Um, you know, it didn't make any sense. I mean, it's it's one thing if you can watch a murder and say, all right, I can see how that could happen or I could see how somebody could be mistaken, you know, as the perpetrator. But it wasn't like that at all. It was just outrageous that um, this guy was accused and then sentenced. And it was hard to watch and it was hard to watch the caricature of the Southerners. I mean, you could walk out of there thinking all Southerners um, think the way the people who Lynch lynched him right. did. Well, you know, you might walk out of thinking you that. Say, there's no question. You say this happened because this is the way the South sees everything. And that was the play's point of view. For clearly, it was. Look, you put your finger on something which is it goes beyond the darkness of the subject matter. Let me come back to the minute because I agree with you 100%. I, sh- I should mention, though, it was beautifully sung, right? I oh, think the performances could... were terrific. Yeah. I was shocked because the 
The lead was Ben Platt. Yes. And he was good. You he know, was I, good. I have I mean, a caricature of him in my mind. Well, Dear Evan Hansen is As Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, yeah. And this was a much more adult, nuanced mm-hmm. uh, performance with a really strong voice, tremendous musical chemistry mm-hmm. with the woman who played his Michaela, wife. Michaela Diamond is her name. Uh, they, I mean, it was just hearing them sing together was, uh, you know, uh, um, not what I don't want to say inspiring. It was. It was just uh, you know, it was great. It. It, yeah, it, it, it was overwhelming. And you know, other um, smaller roles, people had phenomenal voices. Well, also, you know, whether you liked what they were singing about or not. Well, I think you also strong, full voices. Are fond of strong men choral arrangements, which they clearly had here, yeah. and they had that in spades. So it was. It was wonderfully sung. It was wonderful music. Uh, but let me go back to your point, which I'm 100% with, which is that if you're going to really have such a laser-focused uh, story of Leo Frank, you have to have a certain... It has to be dramatically satisfying in that uh, the characters have to resonate with some reality. The story has to have some reality to it, some balance to it. It has to make sense, Right. And uh, this didn't. And um, it didn't. Uh, and it left you with... This story was like uh, this, this young Jewish guy landed in an alien world that happened to be called the South and the aliens surrounded him and killed him. I mean, that was the story. Yeah. And, and, and that made no sense. So I looked it up to figure out what was really going on and whether there's more to the story. And why didn't they present it? Why couldn't they do it? Well, I don't know why they couldn't do it, but here's, here's, here's the real deal. The real deal is, the first thing you said to me when we left was, well, who did it? And, and it was it being... It's and why didn't anyone ever... Why wasn't anybody interested in that? Right. Yeah. And that, that, that is... All the people trying... No. There were some people trying to ex- exonerate him, but no one was saying, well, let's see who could have actually done it. Right. Because there seemed to be no one in the area. There are very few possibilities. Right. You know, it was like a deserted factory or something like that. Okay. Um, and what was going on? For, let me set, set the stage a little bit. Number one, um, the South, uh, there were a lot of Jews in Atlanta. They made it sound like he was the only Jew in Atlanta, or maybe even that wasn't it. Okay. Right. They had a substantial Jewish right. population. In particular, uh, there were a bunch of German Jews who were rel- relatively prosperous. There was, there was some tension between German Jews and recently arrived Russian Jews who were not prosperous. Uh, uh, and yes, you're bad luck as you're with a Russian Jew. But let's put that aside for a moment. <laughs> it's a difference between Albert Einstein and Tevye the Milkman, basically. Right. But, okay. but, but, so, but he was the head of B'nai Brith there. I mean, he was an established guy. It wasn't that tough uh, an environment necessarily. Uh, or shouldn't have been. Um, he was, well, he went to Cornell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he was running a pencil factory. He had went spent six months at the Eberhard Pencil Factory in Germany. He mm-hmm. trained in running this... He wasn't an accountant. Someone felt like he was an accountant, but he wasn't. He was running the factory. Um, and um, the woman who was killed, this young woman named Mary Fagan, uh, how did how was she killed? And it turns out there is a, there's a prevailing theory now as to who did it. Mm-hmm. And it's a character in the play. Uh-huh. And which is strange that we couldn't get that. Yeah. It's Jim Conley. It's the guy who... Uh, it's, it's the... Uh, black young man who gave the very exercise testimony at trial saying, pointing the finger at Leo Frank 
mm-hmm. and saying, oh, he did it, and he made me carry the body, and he did it, he did it, he did oh, it. okay. But many people think now, and many people thought for many years, that Jim Conley did it. Well, he was the guy with possibly the best voice. Yes. Oh, yes. You know. I mean the character. He ends up... Uh, it's a great number. Yeah, it's, it's a, a great number. number. But he ends up... That's the guy who ends up in the chain gang. Yes, exactly yes. right. Okay. okay. But yet... You're watching this play, and there's and, you're, and they don't tell you that, and they don't. That's not part. Well, of... Well, his testimony seems bizarre. His testimony seems bizarre, but that's almost unsatisfying. It seems, and the story is, um, well, uh, he was influenced to testify this way because, again, at the play, because uh, they let him off some other uh, serving other time for another uh, offense, which would be reason to do it. But that's not what went on at all. The point is. What the the trial was about, whether it was which of these two guys did it, mm-hmm. which and who's the jury going to believe, Jim Conley on the one hand or Leo Frank on the other, which is a weird dynamic because Jim Conley is a black man in the South in 1915, mm-hmm. and the jury reached a verdict based on the fact that they believe him over Leo Frank. Right. And so that, that was a hard sell, I suppose. They also, you know, didn't have any... He was cross-examined for three days, it turned out. There was no defense in, in, in the... Leo uh, Frank. Uh, no, Jim Conley. <laughs> Jim was. Conley. Okay. They also said in the play that uh, Leo Frank was not cross-examined because the rule is you don't can't cross-examine a, uh, a defendant. You remember they actually said oh, that. okay, yeah. That's not true. Yeah. Uh, that only happens if the if the defendant says he does not want to be cross-examined. Oh, okay. So it was his, he's the one who said he wouldn't be cross-examined and people sort of held that against him, I suppose. But in any event... It's either one or the other. And I guess that's a dynamic they did not want to deal with. It was either the black man on the one hand or the Jewish person on the other. And that didn't work from a dramatic perspective, given that they were really just setting up all the hate in the South. So it's kind of a weird story, and it's kind of unsatisfying the way that they did it. Um, Look, I was interested to see the play. Yes. Okay. And uh, I... Got a lot out of it. I forgave you for dragging me in Thank to you. New York the night before a trip. Um, I took you but, to dinner also. I took yes, you to dinner. that's true. Uh, but you know they're they're trying to spread buzz that this could go not in a million years to Broadway. Not in a million I can't years. Imagine. You know how many performances this ran on Broadway? Uh, first of all, it was Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center put it on. Mm-hmm. Ran ninety five performances. I will say all of Jason Roberts' plays, and he's wonderful. Uh, Writer music, yeah, they don't run. None of them. Bridges of Madison County, one hundred performances, and none of them more than one hundred performances. Really, thirteen. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. Uh, this is ninety five. What happened in uh, when it was presented for the first time in Lincoln Center was the reviews were so tepid that the backers behind recording the music album, the show album, pulled out when they saw the reviews. They said, "I, I I've lost enough money on this thing." Wow. Uh, so, look, I, this might be a bread production or it might not. There's uh, certainly an interest in anti-Semitism uh, from recent events. So maybe that will kindle some greater interest in this. And it's, it's not for me to say what would succeed or not succeed on Broadway. But between you and me, I, uh, I don't see it. But uh, it, was, it was good. It was interesting. And in the spirit of encores, mm-hmm. worth seeing. Yeah. Encores is not yeah. about seeing the next Hello, Dolly. Mm-hmm. It's about seeing interesting shows. And it was an interesting show. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was interesting. Yes. Um, speaking of interesting, the World Series ended. <laughs> I'm not going to belabor the World Series. You've suffered enough. But uh, let me explain. Let me explain. Because people need to know this. 
why the Phillies uh, lost. Um, uh, besides the fact that it's not enough to say Houston's better. Houston was much better. But uh, here's some specific reasons. Number one, they couldn't hit the Houston's relief pitching because uh, they have great relief pitching, okay? Uh, right. Number two, uh, they couldn't... Uh, they can't deal with the left-handed pitcher. And the reason is he puts in a whole different lineup. The manager puts in a whole different lineup. Uh, when platooning players, you're putting all right-handed players, or several right-handed players. Mm-hmm. And of course, their big hitters are Kyle Schwab, a left-handed hitter, and Bryce Harper, a left-handed hitter. Fran Bear Valdez, left-handed starter for Houston, two you know, immaculate uh, starting uh, stints for Houston. They couldn't handle it. And, and number three is um, they managed the, the series in kind of an odd way, where maybe it was the only way they could do it. But they didn't have they don't have enough relief pitching, mm-hmm. and you can't manage the way they did to keep pulling their starters or putting the relief pitching, and the relief pitching got exposed. Uh, and uh, by the time you get to the fourth or fifth game, um, then they've seen in this case the Houston team has seen the Philly relief pitcher so many times they're hitting them all over the place. And the big mistake, of course, was uh, pulling Zach Wheeler in Game Six. Their only chance was Zach Wheeler pitching like a shutout. They took him out in the sixth inning. They thought they'd put a lefty in, in that case, so Jose Alvarez. And by that time, they had seen him. First guy faces, they put him in the face of left-hander. Lefty on lefty was the oldest way of thinking. They, without looking up to that guy, Jordi Alvarez is a higher average against left-handed pitchers. In the third pitch, home run, game's over. They lose. So, um, anyway, it would have been hard to win. The, the Phillies had the lowest batting average in the history of the World Series. <laughs> They hit 163. All right. I've said enough about that. Anyway, it's a good season for the Phillies. The, uh, there was an interesting story about baseball. It's kind of interesting to me. was about the use of steroids. And um, it turns out that the overwhelming number of players at the minor league or major league level who are uh, caught using steroids and suspended are from the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And so you ask yourself, uh, why is that? And, and, and it's like the Dominican Republic players in the major leagues are 10%. And half the players who were caught for steroids are from the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't bore you with some of them are big names. And the answer is this. Uh, the answer is uh, that, number one, um, there's a tremendous amount of pressure to succeed as a young person in the Dominican Republic as a baseball player because it's a very poor area. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of pressure. And therefore, uh, they're open to doing anything that will give them an edge because they are either signed by the age of 16 or they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they look for anything uh, that will give them the edge. Number two is you can buy steroids in the Dominican Republic over the counter. Okay. You go to the drugstore, you can get steroids. There's nothing to it. So, you know, you get your young kid, whatever, or even a little bit older, you're getting steroids very easily. And number three, the steroids that they're buying and using are called anabolic steroids, which are not the newest generation of steroids are the oldest. Mm-hmm. They're the easiest to detect. They stay in your system for six months or a year. Mm. So they're using steroids and they're using the cheap, easy to detect steroids. And they're setting themselves up to get caught for a failure to yeah. get caught. And that's what's going on. So there's, you know, the solution is better education, whatever, whatever, whatever. Maybe they'll solve it. Maybe they won't. But all those sound like the right reasons. That's why it's happening. Uh, and uh, I guess it will continue to happen, but uh, it's just too bad. But at least there's an explanation.
Well, Sadie and I are about to do our annual trip to Mohonk. Yeah. And you may remember that last year... I do remember. We did the plunge. Yes, explain we went, that. I explain we went that. in the lake. I will. Yes, Scott, you explain it. We went it. in the lake in November. At, Mohonk at Mo- has a little lake. It, now, it wasn't super cold. First of all, it was, it was the third week, in, the second week in November. It wasn't the beginning of November. Right. Yeah. It was mid-November. It was freezing cold. You but no, no, no. But the water was 56. It wasn't like the water no, don't, was... Don't downplay it. You no. came, I came to see you. you I, I picked you up or whatever, or you came home. Immediately after it happened, you couldn't stop talking about this, well, and it was a freezing cold day. And it was the idea that you went into the water. Well, it's kind of a rainy day or something. Not the point. The point it is, it almost freezing. got canceled. You'd have to be. Well, those days you're hoping something gets canceled. You'd have to be out of your mind to do that. We're sitting yeah. here on a warm day. It's hard to reimagine it. But it was anyway, a freezing cold. All it amounted to was you walked in the water, yeah. and you stayed there for five minutes. I thought we were going to walk in the water and walk out. Yeah. <laughs> walked in the water and stayed five minutes. It seemed pretty hard to do. Yeah. And okay. then they wanted to couple that with, you know, some kind of hot experience. Yeah. So they made us do yoga in a fairly warm room after yeah. that. Right. And the hardest part was really getting dressed. Yeah. After we had been in the water, yeah. you know, none of my fingers were working. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't get my yoga clothes on. <laughs> and I was the last person in. Uh, but anyway. Um, Camden, you had they, to be out of your mind to go into but this you, cold no, water. They, they say, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's getting cold plunge. Yeah. Devotees yeah. say the practice offers all kinds of benefits. Mental clarity, pain management, even weight loss. Yeah. Okay. That work out for you? Um, it, I, I don't really know. I don't know if one five-minute stint will do it. But apparently this is getting popular again. And, you know, not that I really trust the New York Times, but cold reality ice baths that cost thousands. So it starts the article out with some guy who um, uh, is a celebrity trainer Mm -hmm. and nutritionist, Harley Pasternak, Mm -hmm. bought a chest freezer for his backyard. Yeah. Okay. During COVID. A chest freezer? Like a big freezer so he could stock up on... Food because the grocery right. stores right. wouldn't have it. I'm with you well, so when far. he didn't really need it for that, yeah. he decided to put water in it and use it for cold plunging. Wow! But it wasn't very good for that because, well, because um, it didn't really keep the water cold enough, and you you get in your warm body warms up the water, uh, and then it's not right. as good. You know, you can't stay there so, for that long. So he improved it. It doesn't. It didn't have a filter, so it's not clean. It's kind of gross. Uh, yeah, it was kind of gross. Right. And um, so he then he goes to you know. So then he and other people um, start uh, you know sniffing around to buy actual sort of plunge boxes. There's a company called. Plunge or that sells something called Plunge for five thousand dollars. Why? You, why does it cost that much? It's just the, be, it's just the, well. Here's why it costs that much, because it's very cool. <laughs> but it's not. Is it a refrigerated unit in it, or are you just pouring ice in it? It's a four thousand nine hundred ninety dollar plug-in tub. Oh, you plug it in. Okay. That filters, circulates, sanitizes. Cooling the water down to 39 degrees okay, so Fahrenheit. Okay, right. Okay. So now he's using this with his celebrity clients yeah. and has even introduced it to Lizzo, 
who loves it so much she's got her own, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and it helps her inflammation. Apparently she has uh, issues with inflammation. Gwyneth Paltrow. There we go. Uh, also seems to have one. Mm. Um, and she says her husband loves it. Mm. Okay. And so all these other companies are, you know, popping up. You, you know, you don't have to buy the $5,000 one. You can buy, you know, the $16,000 one. Yeah. Or even a $27,000 one that will... Can have multiple people. Do you have a birthday a coming up? Is that what this is about? <laughs> no. So this seems uh, totally insane. Uh, so, you, so you lie down on this. Lie you down lie this. down and you, you sit in it like a hot tub, but it's a cold tub. Oh my God. Okay. And you stay in for a long time and, oh you know, and then, and then at the end of the thing, they say, well, there are all these people who just, uh, you know, buy big tubs and put a lot of ice water in go. them and they, yeah. you know, and that might work. they do it, you know, yeah. uh, um, this one lady, you know, has $50 a shot ice bath classes and she does that kind of thing. So, you know, you can, uh, she says cold water is cold water. No kidding. I mean, look, if you put it in your backyard during the wintertime, you don't have to do much to it. You just uh, go in. I mean, it's it's going to be cold water. But they say, one person says, uh, it's a great thing to do first thing in the morning. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, because she says when she goes in to do that, yeah. she, she knows it's going to be the hardest thing she's going right, to do right, that right, day. Right, yeah. And so... You know, she's already done the hardest thing she's going to do. It gives her inspiration and strength, you know, uh, to get on with her day. She could hit herself with a hammer and uh, do the same thing. But uh, let me ask you, because you're the expert. Would you consider doing that? Would no! You cons- <laughs> I don't like that. Do they say that they would... I don't even know if these people stay five minutes. They might go in and get out in 30 seconds. I think some people stay up to, I don't know, half an hour or something. What? They say that you work up to it. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, well, the pain management... But there um, you have it. You yeah. know, sometimes the important thing is to do something that's hard to do and costs a lot of money. And then you feel like you're making a real sacrifice. Well, Mohawk If it costs that much, okay. it must be good for Mohawk you. Mohawk is expensive. But uh, look, here's the real question. You're going to Mohawk next week or this week uh, in a few days. You're going to do it again? No. Okay. Once is enough. <laughs> we've been over this. All right, we've we'll been see. over this. I'm you? also, you know, uh, I don't think I'm doing the tomahawk throwing well, again tom- either. I thought the tomahawk thing was lame, honestly. I, I thought it was lame. I, I mean, I like mohawk fire. Why? Because? Because I couldn't do it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they gave us the right... I meant to look it up. <laughs> I don't think they were giving us good instructions. Oh, okay. Mm, that must have been it. I would do the plunge, though. I'm, I'm lying. I wouldn't do the plunge. Okay. So, um, finally, there was an article in the Times about uh, a long-lost recording of Barbara Streisand, which seems a, an odd, unusual subject to find in the Times these days. But here is the story. Uh, Barbara Streisand um, it was a sensation when she was very young. Um performed at a nightclub called the Bonsoir. Bonsoir? Is that right? Uh, however you want to say it. Okay, Bonsoir, which was in the village. And um, she had, she was there like a year-long run or something, and she got signed 
uh, to uh, a recording contract with Columbia when she was uh, 20. Mm -hmm. And they decided that, this is before Funny Girl, that she was doing, uh, uh, I can get it for you, wholesale uh, on Broadway. So she was a little bit of a figure. And uh, they said, uh, yeah, why don't we just do this? Why don't you just do your Bonsoir gig, your uh, village show? We'll record it. And that will be your first album. So she goes and uh, they set up the equipment and she does a live show and record it. That's going to be her first album. And they go to release it and it doesn't, the sound isn't that great. There's like a little hissing sound or something like that. Mm -hmm. So they have her come into the studio and do a studio album. And that becomes her first album. I think it's called My Name is Barbara or something, which becomes mm -hmm. a big album. She becomes a big star. Well, uh, years later, um, somebody gets the tapes. I think she probably had the tapes from the original performance. But in any event, she had no desire to listen to it because she didn't think the quality was good. And, you know, they do magic these days. They can eliminate certain sounds, right. certain hissing, and they do it to this. Mm -hmm. And they, it turns out that they can eliminate the hiss. And uh, what you have is this performance of the 20-year-old Barbara Streisand in November 1962 uh, which, according to the article, is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, and is that has now been released, just mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's called Live at the Bonsoir. Um, and uh, so I went and I listened to it. Mm -hmm. And that's the great thing about, uh, you know, these these uh, services now. You can just get on it. You don't have to buy the album. You just uh, do it, uh, you know, on Spotify. And... Uh, the truth of the matter is, it's pretty great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, it's not like I'm a huge Barbara Streisand fan. I'm not. And the problem with Streisand, you know, especially as years went on, you know, it's a little mannered. It's a little much. It's a little overproduced. It's a lot mm -hmm. of stick. It's like, you can't, you can't get to the singing. Well, this, you know, now she, this recording when she's 20. And, you know, it's interesting because it's a live recording. And it, live recording is always a little bit, bumpy, mm -hmm. you know, because it's not the perfection of a studio thing. And she's doing a little patter. She's 20 years old and, you know, things have changed in 60 years. You know, mm -hmm. the same jokes don't play. Uh, so there's uh, some back and forth and some stick that you could do without. Um, but when she's just singing, which is, you know, 90% of the time, it's something. I mean, it's something. Okay, so... That's what's, what's it called? Called Live at the Bone Swarm. All right. And you just uh, get on Spotify and dial it up. Uh, and, you know, it's not just standards. It's things that were considered standards then. Perhaps they're not standards now. And it's almost better to hear some different songs. So, in any event, I thought uh, that was really something. So, check it out. All right. Uh, we got to reel it in here. We got things to do. Yeah. I'm still in re-entry. All right. Why, why do you end up with so much more laundry from a trip than... In normal life, you tell me. I mean, just, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot. It's to the add. hockey players. I mean, right. uh, you know, you, you, <laughs> Is that you gotta it? dress up. Right, 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 right. Dress up enough, for the hockey enough. players. All right. Enough. Uh, okay, so this is Dan Appuhan and Tamsin Granger. We're Tamsin for Tamsin and Dan. Read the paper. I guess so. Yes. Whatever you say, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>